Uh, this is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. Okay. Here's the deal. I'm not here to waste your time. Okay? I certainly hope you're not here to waste mine. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Two little mice found in a bucket of cream. Now, you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. Be water, my friend. Welcome to Unstrategic, the podcast about digital strategy. Hey guys, I'm your host, Adam James Lamagna, and today we're going to talk about creating custom web proposals. I know this is something that a lot of agencies and freelancers struggle with because it takes time to produce good web proposals. And oftentimes, usually always, no prospect or client is paying you to write a web proposal. Obviously, that's what gets you the business. Well, hopefully. So today we'll discuss what makes a web proposal good and what makes it custom. We'll also talk about how to standardize this process so you can replicate and scale custom proposal writing. And then finally, I'll walk you through a number of examples of custom proposal writing and essentially the formula for it. What is the formula for bespoke web proposals? So feel free to stop the podcast now and download the resource guide at unstrategic.com slash custom dash web dash proposals, or you can look in the show notes because the link is in there too. Before we get into the formula for custom proposal writing, we're going to quickly chat about benefits, assumptions, and primers first. So benefits of custom proposals are one, it shows quality work from your agency or your freelance business. Two, it does make you look more professional. Three, it oftentimes, you know, will make you stand out from your competitors, your competition. And then four, it can lead to bigger clients and higher dollar deals. Now, the assumptions are going to be that we, as, you know, strategists or biz dev people, have done our homework, right? We know the prospect's needs, who the authority is, what their timeline and budget look like, and we've decided this potential deal is worth the effort of creating a custom proposal. Now, proposals should have a few things, right? The first thing is they should have a good user experience. Now, think about that for a minute, right? We all constantly talk about how our websites need to have a good user experience. So should our proposals. And this will be based on who's reading it and whether or not it hits their needs. Now, two, you'll want to focus on content first, then presentation. So simply put, you need to work on the writing and the other content before putting it together in presentation format. And then three, proposals should be flexible. And I'll talk more about this uh, as we go along, but when you write your proposal, nothing should be set in stone. And, and what I mean by that is there really should be ranges on your numbers, including budgets and timelines. And there should also be room for expanding or condensing your scope. Again, I'll chat more about this as we, as we move through things. Now, I get asked the question a lot, should our agency be writing text-heavy proposals or more visual-based proposals with imagery? And the answer is that it really depends. It depends on who your reader is, what type of project it is. If this proposal is going to be read by uh, a CTO of a company and the decision lies with them, you know, you might want to write more technical text-based content. If a proposal is going to be read by a group of marketers, 
then a visual-based proposal with you know, minimal text might be the way to go. Essentially, you'll want to try and become your reader, your recipient. If you were them, what would you want to read about? And then finally, we're not going to put any fluff in the proposal, at least not in the main proposal section. What I mean by fluff is that any sections of the proposal that the prospect, client, and or reader won't really care about, right? Like the leadership of your organization because they probably won't end up working with them or a culture section where you, you know, outline your agency's culture. We're going to remove all that fluff stuff and wrap it up into an appendix or an attachment section at the end of the proposal where we'll also add in what I call a kicker to sweeten the fluff stuff up. All right, so let's move into the formula for custom proposal writing. I'll preface this by saying the formula I'm about to share has been effective for me. It may not be effective for everyone, so take the things that make sense for your agency or freelance business and make it work with your existing formula or process. Now I'm going to start right from the beginning of the proposal, and the first thing that a reader will see from the proposal is some type of cover sheet, and this cover sheet should get the prospect excited about opening up and reading the proposal. Now. Proposals usually come in PDF format, so nobody's actually thumbing through a proposal anymore. But there should be something that separates the body of the proposal from the reader. There should be a buffer. And that buffer needs to be unique to you. Now, there's a few different things you can do for a cover sheet on proposal, but you'll want at least the following elements on them. Your branding, so, you know, your company logo, the name of the person or persons who wrote the proposal, and then finally a date. Now, when it comes to the creative of that cover sheet, it should be unique to you. You can really do what you want here. You can put a picture of your team brainstorming. You can add in a landmark in your city or your prospect city. You can marry two logos together, usually yours and, and you know, your prospect's logos. Or you can add in a shot of a skyline. You know, for example, what I usually like to do is put a skyline shot of my city, so Providence, on the cover, and I usually say something like, greetings from the East Coast, you know, obviously depending on where the client's business is. Again, this cover sheet should be unique to you. Put the branding, the person's name and date, and then have fun with the creative. Uh, just make it unique and try to get the prospect excited about opening up that proposal. Now, directly after the cover sheet, there should be the table of contents. And this is really what I mean when I say formula or guide. These are the sections that we're going to add to the proposal to make it custom. There is going to be some work involved, but the more you do this, the easier it will become. So the table of contents should give insight into the upcoming sections of the proposal, and it should also get readers excited by using their terminology, so inform and entice. Now I'll talk more about that last point by using their terminology once we've gone through each section at the end. But the table of contents that's worked for me is simply the intro, the research analysis, the rundown, scope of work, you know, with or without options, timeline and investment, and then ideas. Now the attachment section is going to house the about us, case studies, the kicker, in the info page. 
We're going to walk through each of these sections and I'm going to talk a little about what each section should consist of. Section one is the intro, and the intro needs to be short, articulate, and authentic. And it also needs to showcase, you know, your heart and your personality as an agency. But it should convey five different things. The first is excitement. So you want to be jazzed about being involved with this particular project. Two is experience. You want to showcase your expertise. You know, our agency has been doing this for a number of years in this industry. Three is recognition. So you want to recognize who you are doing business with and why they're so great. You know, your company leads the way in ABC Vertical. And then four is acknowledgement. You know, we need to acknowledge that there is a problem, that the prospect has a problem. And then five is reassurance or assurance. You need to reassure your prospect that you can fix those problems. So again, put some heart into the intro, put some personality into it, and convey those five things, right? Our experienced agency is super excited to be doing business with you because you're awesome. We know you've got problems. Don't worry, we can solve them. I've put an example intro in the actual guide. Feel free to take whatever you want from that intro and use it as your own. Section two is going to be the research analysis. And I think this is a section that a lot of agencies and freelancers leave out. And it it's because it's hard to do. You need to do research to put in a research analysis, obviously. But the research analysis has really four parts to it. You want to research the prospect, obviously their business, their website. You research their competitors so you know them. You research the best in business for whatever industry. And then you take a look at what people are saying about their company and about the competition. Now, this is designed to let your prospect know that you understand their challenge within the context of their environment. Now, this can be a very powerful section within a proposal because it shows the prospect you've taken the time to understand who they are, who their competitors are, and what challenges they face. Now, let's say, for example, you're working with a higher education institution. Now, being a university or college, they have a number of challenges. First, they're usually decentralized, so ownership can create issues and different departments tend to compete with each other. But they also have a number of users they need to cater to, right? So there are older alums who aren't necessarily comfortable with being online. There's the faculty and staff who uh, you know, can range a great deal. And then there's the students and the prospective students who live their lives online and expect you know, super personalized experiences. So imagine you're writing a proposal for an Ivy League institution. Wouldn't they want to know that you understand their challenges or at least some of them, what they face being an Ivy League school? Of course they would, absolutely. So the research analysis is intended for you to let the prospect know that you understand their challenges within the context of their environment. And again, it's a very powerful section. Section three, I usually call the rundown. Now, when I'm writing a proposal, I don't actually call it the rundown because that would be a little weird. But for the purpose of this guide and this formula, we're going to call it the rundown. So this section, it really should house 
three different things. And the first one is that, you know, we have a proven approach or methodology that works, right? So we talk a little bit about the process of um, how we run through web projects. Two is we understand their objectives and we kind of need to regurgitate them back to the prospect while also connecting them to possible outcomes, right? So outputs versus outcomes. And then three, I always want to touch a little on our working style and collaboration that will be, you know, easily uh, integrated into for the prospect or client, right? I mean, this is the section where you want to convey things to your recipient that won't be in the scope of work section, right? But you, you want to attach meaning to it for the reader. They have to find some value in it for them to be uh, connected to it and invested in what you're saying in that proposal. When you talk about your process, you basically just want to give the reader an overview. You want them to understand how the process works and why they'll benefit from it, right? So simply put, you can do this on one page where you kind of diagram out your process and then add little snippets or descriptions that explain each phase and how the prospect will benefit from each phase. For the objectives, you'll want to let the prospect know that you've heard their concerns, their wants, their needs, and you're prepared to help them. So I usually do an output versus outcome type of comparison. So I'll kind of map uh, you know, features or, or, or activities to outcomes, right? So an example would be modernize design, you know, update the look of design to be responsive and user-friendly. That activity will become user engagement outcome, right? Appeal to a wider audience using different devices. So essentially what you want to do is compare these two things, outputs versus outcomes, and it's a surefire way to let your prospect know that they've been heard. Working style should give the prospect a quick glimpse into the project flow, but not in relation to the process, more in relation to the relationship. How will your client work with you? Why would they like it? I usually break it down on one page into two sections. So I'll have the tools that we use on the left and time-based collaboration on the right. So we use tools like Basecamp and Trello for project management. G Drive for collaboration and Hangouts for weekly working sessions. And then for time-based activities, I'll break those down on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. The team holds daily stand-ups where client participation is optional, weekly working sessions with clients over Hangout, and then in-person monthly health checks to go over the progress of the project. Believe it or not, a big fear I've seen people have is the communication workflow. Putting together a page or two on this can really ease the prospect's mind. Section four is the scope of work, and this is with or without options. Some agencies like to give the prospect a few different options, and when you do that, you usually compete against yourself, but other agencies spend a lot of time in the sales process getting to know the prospect's challenge, so this depends on what's right for your agency and what fits with your process. You can give options, or you can just give one option, whatever you feel is the right solution. 
the scope is basically that solution laid out. Now, most web projects follow a similar trajectory that starts with some type of discovery or strategy session and then moves into design, technology, ongoing, etc. Now, you'll want to write out the project overview, the task list, and the deliverables. What's going to take place? What deliverables do you foresee? And what assumptions, if any, are there? Now, I'm not going to go too deep into this section because for each agency, although similar trajectories you all will have different scopes. The scope of work is what you did in the sales process, so you should have this information. But the trajectory or the flow of a project usually consists of the following. So part one is going to be strategy, you know, which is discovery, stakeholder interviews, company survey. Part two is going to be design, information architecture, wireframes, mockups, user experience testing. Part three, technical. So building the platform, systems integrations, uh, iterations, the backlog of features, the content management experience. And then four is going to be ongoing. So continued strategy, enhancements, maintenance and support, etc. Again, this section is where you'll have your project overview. So the synopsis of what's happening in that particular phase or section, you're going to go over the task list. So what you'll do as an agency, and then you're going to cover deliverables, what each phase or section will produce for the client or prospect. In section five, we're going to put the timeline and budget or timeline and investment. And this is usually pretty straightforward, right? You can use outlines or graphs, and those are always a good way to show kind of a timeline. But after that kind of overview slide, you can always go into a much more granular view of the project timeline, where you can put in certain milestones like design sign-off, uh, gray site launch, user, ex uh, user acceptance testing, and more. And then I'll break out the investment to match the scope of work section. So if I have a discovery and strategy section in the scope of work, that will usually correlate to a number in the investment. But this is going to be dependent, again, on your agency and your process. I mean, it all depends on whether or not you're doing a flat rate or time and materials basis or maybe value-based pricing. Uh, so again, this is going to be dependent on your agency, but it's usually pretty straightforward. And you can outline a timeline, and then you can correlate the numbers of the budget to fit with the sections of the scope of work. For section six, I always like throwing in an ideas section. Now, it can really come before or after the timeline and budget. It doesn't really matter. But you'll really have to spend a little time to come up with a few ideas that might resonate with your prospect. And you have to think about where the cross-section of your services lies so that if they say yes to the idea, it could bring in more of a paycheck for you. Now, even if the prospect doesn't choose to go with any of the ideas, it will still show them that you care and you are invested in the prospect's success. So take some time to put a few ideas out there and it can definitely help with the sale. So, you know, that's really the main body of the proposal, those six sections, right? The intro, research analysis, the rundown, the scope of work, timeline and investment and ideas. 
Now, I want to quickly go over terminology before we get to the end of the proposal where the attachment section is. What I was talking about earlier was using the prospect's terminology to write up the table of contents. It can excite your reader because it shows that the proposal is unique to them. Now, for a regular proposal, let's say you use the terminology introduction, research, our approach, scope of work, timeline and investment, and ideas. Well, you can change that if, you know, let's say you're working with a law firm, you can change that to be more in line with their terminology. So the intro or the introduction would become opening statement. Um, the research analysis would become the discovery. The rundown could be legal briefing. The scope of work could be litigating a successful trial. Uh, timeline and investment could be deliberation and retainer. And then ideas could be defense strategies. If you're working with, let's say, a boat manufacturer, you could use terminology like excited to set sail, exploring the high seas, captain's log, a nautical voyage. Now, I know some of this stuff might seem really corny to you guys, but I've used this before and it has worked for me. So again, it you know, it's something worth trying. It's going to make you stand out from other agencies. All right, so we're going to talk about the appendix. Do you remember earlier where I was saying, don't put any fluff stuff in the proposals? Well, the appendix or attachment section at the end is where you can house the fluff stuff. You can put your about us, your culture section, your leadership section, your case studies. All that stuff can go in an attachment after the proposal. So the prospect can read it if they want to, but they don't have to. Now, I usually add in four sections into my appendix. The about us case studies, the kicker, and the info page. Now, the About Us section will give history about the agency, uh, the values of the agency. Sometimes I put in the leadership team. The case studies are pretty obvious, I mean, but they're, they're more along the lines of portfolio pieces because I don't have big, long case studies inside an attachment section. Usually I'll, you know, have a portfolio piece and then link off into um, an actual case study for the, the prospect to read more if they want to. The info page is self-explanatory where you put, you know, obviously your name, your phone number, your place of business, etc. And then everyone asks me about the kicker. You know, they're like, Adam, what is the kicker section? And simply put, it is a resource for your client. The kicker should be something the prospect is concerned with but may not be a part of the engagement and may not be your area of expertise. It could be something around content strategy best practices. It could be SEO best practices. It could be about social media engagement or an analytics guide, or you could you know, share sample user personas. Those are a number of examples of kickers in the attachment section. Again, it's something the prospect is concerned with that may not be a part of the engagement and may not be your area of expertise. You want to give your prospect some resources. By doing this, you'll let the prospect know that you've heard them in the sales process and that you go above and beyond to help your prospect out. Imagine what you'll do for your clients.
So there are a number of examples in the downloadable guide of what kickers can look like. Feel free to use that for your own use. And I've also included a number of resources for you guys to check out different proposal writing software and some of the resources that I use to help me in the proposal writing process. Now, obviously, the last thing that you want to put is some kind of info page that just gives all your information. It takes a little time to say thank you for reading the proposal. And then here's how to reach me for next steps. To recap, remember that custom proposals should have a good user experience. It's about the content, then the presentation. Custom proposals are going to take time, but they will get easier with this formula. And remember, get creative, experiment, have fun with it. I'm your host, Adam James LaMagna. Feel free to subscribe and rate the podcast. We're always looking for what listeners are interested in. Uh, So feel free to reach out on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook, and please let us know. And we'll see everybody soon. Cheers. Cheers.